Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Welcome back to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. I am here with the fabulous Allie Murphy, Marketing Engagement Manager at Engage for Good. Hey, Allie. Hello, Megan. It's nice to be here. It's been a little while since I've been on the podcast. It has been a minute since you've been co-hosting. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Um, I'm super excited to have you back on this episode because we're going to be talking to a woman who I will introduce momentarily at a company that does something that I think is really cool that I wish more organizations would do. Would you like to know what that thing is? Yeah, absolutely. I know you're sitting there just like waiting for me to tell On the edge of my chair. The edge of your seat, the edge of your microphone. So one of the things that I think is a really fantastic way to use social impact is as kind of an experiment or a use case so that you can take sort of a smaller pilot program and do something for good that may or may not work for your business long term. But it's a it's a great way to kind of prove a use case of a particular product or service. And um, the company we're about to talk to does this in a really unique way. So have you ever heard of that before? People using things as cases? No, I don't think so. I mean, I've heard of it only from you, but that's probably the only place. I'm excited to uh, <laughs> to hear what she has to say, how they use it, and really how that integrates kind of the CSR social impact part of the business into other areas instead of it just being in a silo. What a great preview that was, Allie. <laughs> well, with, without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest today. We're going to be talking to Angela Baker, who is Senior Director for Corporate Responsibility for Qualcomm. Should we bring her on? Yeah, let's get started. Well, hello, Angela, and welcome to Cause Talk Radio. It's so awesome to have you here. Thank you for having me. Would you just start us off today? Give us a little bit of a brief overview. What is Qualcomm and what do you do there? Sure. So Qualcomm, we always say it's the biggest tech company you've never heard of. So we are responsible. You know, we, we're the company that helps you connect, compute, communicate, right? We're responsible for 5G, for Wi-Fi, for artificial intelligence. We're sort of leading technological breakthroughs in those areas. And, you know, I think we, especially now with COVID-19, are really help. We've, we're the technology that's helping you be able to do that, right? So we're inside your phone, your tablet, your computer. Uh, and I have the really cool job there of running corporate responsibility. So I have a pretty robust portfolio that looks at lots of things, but really everything is focused on the technology. That's awesome. And I'm not going to lie. I did have to look you up and I was like, (laughs) oh, they do a ton. So speaking more of kind of your job role, your wireless reach program brings advanced wireless technologies to underserved communities around the globe in places like China, Morocco, Thailand, and many more. Can you share some examples of what those programs look like? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe I'll just take one step back. Maybe I should have said this in the first question, but so I oversee what's called Qual- what we call Qualcomm for good. So wireless reach is one of the programs, right? So that's the that's the program that looks at all of the tech that we design at Qualcomm, how we can use it for social and economic impact. I'll go into a dive on that in a minute. We also have a number of STEM programs, which are focused on essentially inspiring the inventors of tomorrow, right? We have this really robust workforce of about 40,000 people. Most of them are engineers. We want to make sure that we're continuing to train sort of the next generation of engineers and inventors, making sure they're diverse, right? Because we want a diverse workforce to help us build the tech of tomorrow. And then all of our environmental, social, and governance, uh, you know, 
portfolio, which includes things like what are we doing within our own operations to ensure that we're being a responsible corporate citizen, that we're being a responsible business? How can we reduce our carbon footprint? How are we ensuring human rights in our supply chain? Things like that. So back to wireless reach. That's sort of our tech for good program. I know it's engaged for good, so it's sort of aligned. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think this is the this is the arm of the company that is really looking at that tech that we build, like you said, in China, in Morocco, wherever we're we're doing these programs, how they can how we can use it for impact. So we tend to fund in five areas, but it's really cross cutting. You know, education, healthcare, entrepreneurship, public safety, the environment. We work with governments and with our business colleagues to ensure that we're you know because we're helping to solve challenges that pretty much every country faces. And we don't want to come in as a company and just say, well, we think we have the solution. We want to work with local entities to say, what do you need? What's your problem you're trying to solve for? You think our tech can help? Great. So for example, it could be drones for agriculture in Brazil. So helping farmers to sort of survey their crops, make sure they're not overwatering, check for crop disease. It could be students in rural Kentucky who are using uh, you know, tablets and, and laptops in and out of the classroom, which really helped them transition to a remote first environment when COVID hit and they shut down and they were sort of ready to go, both the students and the teachers in Daniel Boone County, Kentucky, you know, which I think was a huge issue for a lot of you know schools and kids. Um, it could be Filipino entrepreneurs, so women who are working out of their houses at these things called Sorry Sorry stores, which are basically like bodegas or local at you know last mile stores for people to get their local pantries and things like that for their community and making sure that those women are able to still get access to supply chains and um, training and other things they might need to help serve their community so that's really sort of the wireless reach program which you know to date we've been doing that now for 15 years and we've reached over 20 million people through that program and we just set a 2025 goal of reaching 27 million people through the technology that we're building so it's, it's a pretty cool program I'm so curious how all of this comes together, because it sounds like there's so many moving pieces. You have tremendous technology all around the globe in a million different applications, it sounds like. So how how is Qualcomm and, and you and your team identifying these projects where your technology can make a difference? And how do you, you know, like what what's the formula there in terms of how do these projects get surfaced? How do you decide what you're green lighting and what you're going to be working on and what you're not? Yeah, it's actually one of the things I think it makes our program so unique. I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I'm there. Of but, course, but that's right. Um, you know, we don't just do one program and roll it out everywhere and say, like, sure. hey, we, for the masses, we're going to do it. So we used to do an open call for proposals for many years. And then that got to be way too cumbersome because we were getting a lot of requests. Um, the one the one thing that's in common of all the programs is that they leverage Qualcomm technology. But what we started doing is being very strategic and targeted in it. And the team really goes out and looks for programs in countries that are of strategic importance to Qualcomm. I mean, we're very upfront about that. We work with, um, you know, in places where we know our technology can have an impact. You know, you remember Qualcomm, we're doing 5G now, but, you know, many years ago we were doing 3G, 4G. So we weren't always reaching like the last mile or whatever. You know, we wanted to be helpful where we could. Right. Um, and then we go out and we work with our colleagues in to say organizations that are doing really interesting things that we might be able to, that would be mutually beneficial, that we could help them and they could help us understand how our tech could be used better or in a different way. And then work with them on developing the proposal, which they submit to us. And then we, you know, we have a certain amount that we fund every year and, and then we go out and then the team has a number of project managers on it. And then they go out and they're working, you know, that's one of the things that we also give to the program is like, 
um, program management support, helping to connect to other partners, like maybe it's a mobile operator or a device, a handset manufacturer or whomever it might be to ensure program success. And then trying to engage the government as well, because again, you're not going to, you can't create an education program somewhere without the Ministry of Education or a healthcare program. You're not going to change that in a different country. We certainly, you couldn't do that in the U.S. even. So yeah, I think it's a really unique way of approaching it. Very localized. That's fascinating. And I do, I mean, I just, I want to reiterate what you just said, because first of all, you're you're covering an amazing amount of content, which I love, love, love. Um, but this model is so unique because you are, it sounds to me like you're using these social impact programs to kind of test new and emerging technologies in a way that also benefits your business, which I do think is incredibly powerful. Could you speak a little bit more to that? Has that always been a model at Qualcomm? Is this something that's kind of new or emerging within your company? Yeah, so the program's been around for 15 years. We'll be celebrating the 15th anniversary this year. I think it is one facet of how we test the technology. So certainly the engineers are really working on like what use cases could be and helping to build out that ecosystem, right? I think my boss always used the example, like when 4G was launched, nobody knew ride sharing was going to be a thing, but Mm. now ride sharing's everywhere. You know, like when we build the technologies, we don't necessarily know. We're trying to help you know, build up the ecosystem, the whole mobile ecosystem. So we are one arm of the company that helps build that use case. Because again, Qualcomm is not maybe necessarily a name, you know, but but our technology, I guarantee is in your phone that you're using your, you know. And so I think it's, we're that arm that helps tell that human story or that use case. So sometimes we're using super new cutting edge tech, like for example, that drone, I mean, Drones have been around for a while, but drones for agriculture, you know, now everybody's talking about smart agriculture. But when we launched that program, I don't know, four or five years ago, nobody was really using drones or very few people were using drones for ag. So it is sort of a way to pilot it to see what a use case could be. And we worked very closely with our engineering team on that. You know, always connected PCs have been around for, you know, a few years now, but now we're looking at them through the education market and how can that really help kids? So if your computer is connected like your phone is, so when you go out of Wi-Fi, you automatically have 4G or 5G, depending on where you are. What would that mean for kids who don't have access to Wi-Fi at home or who don't have access to, you know, some other, other, other type of broadband? So if they could just automatically get access wherever they are to do their homework or if they're home because of COVID remote learning, what does that look like? So we are sort of one arm, I would say, that's helping to do that, but not the only one. Hey everyone, it's Megan again. New for 2021, we're giving you, our valued listeners, a chance to become a part of our inner circle that we're calling the Cause Crusaders. As you know, Cause Talk Radio is a listener-supported podcast and we need your help to continue releasing great content each week. So for just $5 a month, you'll get access to episodes a full week early, the ability to view live streams of our guest recordings and other special bonuses along the way. So be sure to head over to truestory.fm forward slash Cause Crusaders and get signed up today. That's truestory.fm forward slash cause crusaders. And thanks. At some organizations, CSR social impact is kind of siloed into its own area of the business. And here you're working with engineering and you're doing things kind of across the board. And so you're talking about new technologies, which brings up something else. One of the things that Megan and I found really interesting was your work around patents. Can you share a little bit about what Qualcomm is doing to fuel inventions for women, people of color, lower income individuals? What does that look like and where are you headed in that direction? Yeah, you know, this is an area that's, this is an issue that's really, we're really focused on, especially in government affairs, which is the division we roll up through. Um, Qualcomm is a company of inventors. I think we have something like 
140,000 patents or patent pending patents. So we believe we're very pro a strong patent system. And we know that that's what helps our business thrive and helps the technology continue to be built. And we also know, like everybody, right, that having more diverse people patenting, people from different pack backgrounds patenting means you're going to get different kinds of inventions that are going to service you know, all kinds right. of people. So it's sort of a win-win for everyone. You know, in 2019, something like only 20 or 22% of people listed on a U.S. patent were female and only 13% of people that held a patent were women. I mean, that's a problem. We're like 51% of the 51% of the population. Um, and I think if you look at, you know, um, uh, black and Hispanic graduates, it's something like they patent at half the rate of white graduates. So, you know, that is problematic and we recognize that. So we have several partnerships that we are, that we're working on. One is a, a coalition that was just launched last fall called Invent Together. And really the focus there, we're working with a number of nonprofits, schools, I think like um, the Ohio State University is in there. I think Anita Borg uh, Institute's in there, many, many sort of organizations like that that are focused on diversity. Um, the focus is on sort of raising awareness around the issue, which I think people know it's an issue, but it's not something that's talked about a lot, helping to push policies and advocacy for a diverse patent system and for, uh, and for you know, promoting diverse patent holders, because um, there are barriers to patenting. I mean, it is a pretty laborious process. It can be quite expensive. And I think, you know, there's there's also been research around like people that don't like people that don't know anybody who's patented are less likely to patent because you just don't even know it's like a possibility for you. And so just even making younger generations aware, like getting them early, so, sort of the same thing that we do with our STEM programs. So we've got that Invent Together program. We also have a partnership with VentureWell as part of the, their e-grants program, which is working with uh, college students, primarily um, from diverse backgrounds, to help get them um, to take sort of what they're working on in school or in the lab or whatever and bring it out into the real world. Because of course, it's not just patenting. You also have to have a business sense. You have to you know, be entrepreneurial. What does that mean to start a business, launch an innovation? What does that mean? So I think you know, we're a company, so we have a focus in patents, but I think helping to fuel others who are really doing this really good work, like a venture well or invent together to help do that is where we can be really you know, impactful. I love that you're embracing that patent piece and just um, kind of expanding the pool of potential inventors since you are a company of inventors. So I love that. Um, one of the things you've referenced a couple of times so far is STEM, which is obviously a huge focus of yours. Can you talk a little bit about your Think a Bit Lab program and maybe how you've had to pivot a little bit because of the fabulous pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. So Think of It Lab is our sort of homegrown STEM program, sort of like a STEM lab maker space. Uh, it's a play on Linkabit, which is a company that was started by one of our first founders. So it is kind of oh, interesting. I was wondering where that name. came from. It's very clever. Yeah, it's, a, it's a quirky name, but it's got a really great team that's working on it. And we kicked off the first one in 2014 at our headquarters. The whole goal was to get um, young people, but young girls especially, and underrepresented minorities traditionally in STEM fields exposed to STEM. So it was like a one-day experience. They came to Qualcomm headquarters, which is in San Diego, to understand uh, we've got this whole program called Qualcomm World of Work. What does it mean to, to be an engineer? Or you could be a patent attorney. That's a STEM program. Or you could do marketing at a STEM company. Or, you know, there's all kinds of different degrees, not just an engineer. And really, what are your strengths and values that can you can bring to a STEM career? And then they spend sort of the afternoon really working on getting their hands dirty, you know, building circuits, working with Bluetooth communications, building an IoT uh, project. And we've scaled that to 16 sites across the country, mostly within schools or school districts, but we also work like with Virginia Tech University or Un University of Michigan. 
um, really to get kids at that sweet spot, like right before, especially young girls sort of start to lose interest in STEM. I think the research is traditionally around between fourth and seventh grade. And so getting them to come in and sort of exposing them to STEM, inspiring them to, to study STEM, we expanded that to doing week-long summer programs. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and, um, and nobody was doing anything, right? Like nobody was going anywhere. And one of the things that we were so worried was about was that engineering education would fall off because it's not one of the core mm -hmm. it's not one of the core subjects right so the team pivoted so quickly right because last march was the shutdown and we actually increased the number of camps we did remotely um by 300 percent oh, wow. which i thought was wow. just absolutely incredible the, the team really pivoted they worked with the schools they built a, they took that whole platform and made it remote education the kids came up with the greatest projects like there was one kid who came up with a mask dispenser which was like essentially <laughs> a vending machine and you push <laughs> it that's and amazing mask comes out, which is also like a whole other statement on what kids are going to learn growing up these kids right? today so wild. Um, but I think that that's just like the inventiveness of Think of It Lab is that it really just inspires the kids to think, you know, what you can do with an engineering degree. And the 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 team really challenges to them to think about what you can do to solve a real world challenge. So, of course, being an engineer, there's lots of problems you could solve for. But one of the things that really resonate with young people is that you can solve problems in your community or you can solve challenges that the world is facing. And we know this sort of I think it's Gen Z now. Is that the next generation? Um, they're really, they're really inspired. I mean, I want to make the world better mm -hmm. too, but the young kids really want to make the. So it's, I think, Think of It Lab is a really great um, example of being able to pivot and still get kids excited about STEM. They still got to work together on projects over, you know, video. They still built things together and they actually do build these contraptions. Um, and then they got to share them with teachers and Qualcomm staff and others. And, and they get to hear from Qualcomm staff and what you can do. So it's a, it's a really incredible program. And we're planning for even bigger this summer and much of that will still be remote. It's incredible that you were able, did you say 300%? Yeah, it was a 300% increase. That's I know awesome. the team is, yeah, they did an incredible job. Mm -hmm. yeah. So staying in kind of the same vein of STEM, you have a significant partnership with the nonprofit First, which for those who don't know, is a really well-known robotics focused organization. Can you speak to your involvement and also how your employees are engaged throughout that partnership? Yeah, absolutely. So we have the Think of It Lab, right, which is we, homegrown. We created that content. Then we do fund other entities. First is a great example of that. They're an incredible organization out of New Hampshire, started by Dean Kamen, who's an inventor himself. And what they do is they bring, they, they essentially make robotics and STEM like sports. So they bring kids together from all over the world. They they get the, they build these teams at their schools and then they get to come in and they all work on a robot. Every year has a theme. They work on a robot together. They build it. It has to be able to perform certain tasks and then they compete all season. And then at the end of the season, like so many teams advance and make it forward and, and get to championship. But the cool thing about it is that, um, I mean, it's not competitive in the fact, I mean, you want to win, but it's not, you're not like, crushing each other's robots, you know, <laughs> well, these, these teams are working together. So not only are they learning engineering and STEM skills, but they're learning teamwork. They're learning how to problem solve. They're learning like, it, you know, how to work, uh, you know, I mean, teamwork, but how to work together on a team. And like, somebody has to be sort of the CEO. Somebody has to be the marketing person. Somebody has to be head of engineering. I mean, it's like, it's how the, an office works. Um, and our employees get involved because they serve as mentors. And so, cause every team sort of needs a mentor that can come in and, you know, help tinker around if they need things. Although the kids really do the bulk of the work. And so 
you know, we've had so many employees be engaged in this from a mentoring perspective. And they really, I think they would tell you that they get more out of it than the kids actually do. They sort of coach them throughout the whole season. And then if they go on to championship, they go with them. And we've even, I mean, I think one of the great things about FIRST is it sort of helps with Qualcomm sort of show us that through line. So we've hired many people who participated in FIRST themselves because the organization's been around for a while. So it's the same thing as think of it like the whole goal. Well, one of the goals, I mean, their goal, they have a lot of goals around diversity, equity, and inclusion, but also to, you know, help kids become better just all around citizens and learn how to work together and things like that. But um, is to inspire kids in engineering and STEM and to show them what you can do with that type of degree. So we're also like, they're also helping to build all these little inventors, right? That, that'll be inventing things tomorrow. And so, you know, we, we hire interns. We've got a lot of people that used to work with first, either whether they were in school or they were mentors. And I think they always speak really highly of the organizations. So that's been a great partnership for us. Um, we also have our tech integrated. They have different levels. Like they go all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade. And we have Qualcomm tech integrated in the sort of middle to high school range. So all the kids are getting access to using Qualcomm tech as they're building their robots. I love how you hired some of those people as well. Question for you. So you were talking about this mentorship program that essentially your employees do. How You're in a, a really big company. How do these employees actually get picked? Is there an application process? Who becomes a mentor? Oh, they can just volunteer in their hometown. So if you're, mm-hmm. I mean... Okay. We sponsor, so of course, our largest base is in San Diego. There's a bunch of teams in San Diego. We help match them up if they need it, but we also have employees in North Carolina, in Texas, you know, um, Northern California. Um, And this year you could do it remotely. I mean, the season was much shorter this year because of COVID, but so you can volunteer. There could be two two mentors to a team. Um, uh, And then we've got, you know, people in the UK that are doing it. I mean, because the organization is global. So it's not a it's not competitive in that we would tell you you couldn't volunteer. You, there would always be a spot for you. They're always looking for people to volunteer. So You have to yeah. build a robot to get that volunteer spot. Yeah. You got to prove that you know what you're doing. I'm always like, <laughs> I don't know if I can be a mentor because I don't have an engineering background, but they assure me that I can You could be the CEO. Help. That's like fun. Yeah. So CEO. anybody listening, you can volunteer with FIRST. You can be a mentor. You don't have to have an engineering background. So. I love that. I feel like next we're going to ask you about splitting the atom. You guys are doing so much, but I do want to sh- shift gears a little bit and talk about the genesis of your small business accelerator program. So you've partnered with companies like Best Buy, Best Buy Business, Microsoft, Verizon Business to support small business owners who were impacted by COVID-19. Can you talk a little bit about that program, what you've done, where it's headed? Yeah, this was a program that was really born out of COVID. I think it was looking at how to help companies and it was and out of the business side specifically and really looking at how we could help companies, especially small companies or small organizations become mobile first because, you know, it's sort of everything shut down. And if you don't have a big infrastructure like a company like Qualcomm, where they're like, okay, well, we'll make sure that you have whatever you need so that you can work from home, that could be real. That could be really bad for a small organization. So, um, you know, the team sort of stood up this this entity with all of our partners. All of the tech that was given is Qualcomm enabled. You know, whether that's uh, you know Wi-Fi networks, uh, mobile devices, Bluetooth technology, and you know, I think we. I think it's like up to $25,000 people got access. So, you know, for a small business, that's pretty That's a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. And we had over 375 um, businesses and organizations apply. We did put an emphasis on minority-owned businesses and women-owned businesses. And for this first pass, we selected 33 
they span, you know, everything from healthcare to education to crisis response. And some of the videos for the applications were really great. And, um, and, you know, and we've been working with them to help them get this tech and help them get it set up. So they also got like sort of engineering or IT support, if you will, because also, again, if you're at a big company like Qualcomm, I can just call the help desk whenever I need it. (laughs) But if you're at a startup, you don't necessarily have that. And you're like, I mean, if I had to figure out how to change the printer, so, um, So I think that that, I think that that is, uh, you know, it's been really helpful to them. And I think the feedback has been great. And I think right now we're exploring sort of what that second phase looks like. I love that. And can you share an example kind of to bring this to life? Can you share an example or a story of a specific small business that's benefited from the accelerator program and the impact it had for them if the program is over or maybe kind of along the way? Yeah, there's this one. I actually just before this, I was rewatching some of the application videos and there's there's one called Guitars in the Classroom Ooh. and their application video. They sing. It's five ladies and they they, they made a jingle to, to, um, <laughs> to pitch. And it's so great. You can see it. It's available. It's great. And and um, I cannot sing, but they sing very well. And they're helping to teach. They're helping to train um, teachers like uh, music teachers. So they, you know, they were all together in a small office sort of working and then they all of a sudden had to be remote. And how are they going to continue their training? How are they going to still be able to engage with teachers? How are they going to be able to work together as a team again for collaboration? And, and, you know, how do you even do a meeting? I mean, nobody was leaving. It's hard even to remember now, but like no one was leaving their house. Right. You, know, you weren't going anywhere. And so we helped them, got them technology so that they were able to get, you know, continue what they were doing, continue to train their train their teachers and then offer whatever other kind of support they needed. And they didn't have to worry about the tech piece. So that's just one example. There's, like I said, 33 of them. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, we'll definitely look forward to continuing that particular program. Angel, this has been absolutely fantastic. I cannot believe we just blew through 20 minutes of, you know, you, it, it really blows my mind how many incredible programs you have at Qualcomm and just kudos to you and your team for being able to, to juggle all of this. Sounds like uh, an absolute lot of work. Where can people learn more about Qualcomm social impact programs online if they'd like to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, you could always visit Qualcomm.com. We just launched our latest corporate responsibility report. You can find that I on saw the that. Yeah, thank you. Or you could follow us on any social platform at Qualcomm for Good. Amazing. Well, Angela, thank you so, so much for being with Ali and I today. And we will look forward to hearing more about Qualcomm's for good, Qualcomm for good in the future. Yeah.